and welcome to episode 37 of the Crochet Circle podcast. Feeling festive? <laughs> Said with more of a question mark than a feeling festive. It's less authoritative and more, are you? I'm not sure I am yet, but are you? I hope you are. Um, hello, how are you all doing? It's been quite a long month since last time I had a message um, from somebody saying, have I missed an announcement and you're not podcasting in December because um, last Friday was the 30th so it almost has kind of given me an extra week before I needed to podcast which is quite a nice breather to be honest I kind of I kind of needed it um, but yeah no it's still coming out on the first Friday of the month and the next one will be, will be on the 4th of January I think it is so if you're watching this one apologies it's really dark it's an exceptionally gloomy day out there today and um, just life has conspired against me today for being able to record. So at some point I may have to put the overhead lights on but I'm kind of getting away with it for now. But we'll see. And I've just seen the postman turn up as well. It's just been like constant knocks at the door today. Loads of stuff that I've had to deal with and yeah. And I suspect I'm about to get a wee rap on the door from the postman as well. One of those days. How are you all doing? I hope you're well. I hope you've had a really good um, November and that the festive proceedings aren't taking over every like breathing moment of your lives at the moment. Um, I've got quite a bit of stuff for you, including an old dog new tricks. We've got some um, finished objects, some en route, well, that's a bit light, um, feeding habit, which isn't a bit light. Um, a big up, uh, quick news beats, and a shador or two. So, let me crack on with an old dog new tricks. Um, it's all about fixing crochet for this episode. I had a message from somebody, I think it was on YouTube, maybe about a year ago, saying I'd be interested in you doing a spot on how you can fix crochet and I kind of I've kept it at the back of my mind it was banked for one that I might do at some point in the future when the opportunity arose because I don't you know you don't really want to break your crochet to be able to fix it and um, my friend Lisa popped a post out saying showing an issue that she had with her shawl and that she didn't know what to do with it and I said well give it to me and I will try and fix it and so um, when I was vending down at your emporium, Lisa brought me her shawl and she also luckily brought me the spare yarn that she had. And I took a look at it and thought that would be quite a nice way of getting information across on old dog new tricks. And it's, um, let's see if I can fix it. Like how would my brain work around the problem of trying to fix her shawl? Um, so it was the Spun Gold Shawl, which is um, by Kat Golden of the Crochet Project. And if you know that shawl, then the bit that had broken were quadruple trebles, I think they are. So quite nice long stitches, which was really helpful for being able to fix them. And because Lisa had given me the spare yarn, that made my life even easier. Now the yarn that she'd been using was a skinny single merino, which can be quite thick and thin in places and quite friable because it doesn't have a really high twist on it. So I suspect there were three, one of three possible reasons for her shawl having come away. Um, one, moths, which is a real potential. 
Two is that it might have been trapped in a door or a drawer at some point. If she keeps it in a drawer and then the drawer has snapped shut on it, that may have weakened some of the um, the yarn. And um, three is that it's just worn in particular bits because of the type of yarn it was that she'd used. Not sure which one it was for Lisa, I don't think she knows either. But what I did notice when I was looking at fixing her shawl was that there were a number of points in it where actually the yarn had broken. So I, I fixed quite a few areas within the shawl for her. Um, so how did I do it? I um, spit spliced. And some of you may or may not be aware of what spit splicing is. And basically what you're doing is attaching two ends of yarn into one piece again. So if you have... Um, two pieces of four ply yarn you would cut away about an inch you would cut away two of the plies leaving two and on the other side you would do exactly the same and when you bring the two together you basically wet the fibres hence spit splice and the wetting is using your spittle to actually um, get those fibres and then you rub it like you're making fire and that friction causes the two ends to felt together merge together and can create a really um, fixed bond between the two, therefore giving you one continuous length again. It works particularly well with animal fibres, doesn't work with things like cotton, linen, it's not suitable for that. It works extremely well on wool, um, and you can do it with wool that's got a superwash content in it, and other nylon in it, but it's not as good as it is on 100% wool. It will just take longer to get it to merge and splice together. But it is it is possible. Postman. Hello. That was the delivery man, not the postman. So spit splicing. So what the other factor that you need to look at when you are fixing crochet is your starting point needs to be at the top of the stitch. If you're starting in the row below, then you're not starting at the right height. You need to think of it as if you're just continuing with the row. So what I needed to do, first of all, was spit splice the, um, the new yarn onto the old um, loose end at the top of it, so that that would be the part that I was continuing with. Now, because I had a long enough part at the bottom where the um, stitch had come away, I also spit spliced extra yarn onto the bottom of that and then woven that end. And I did that before I added the stitches so that I had secured that end in. Now, that I think was only possible because it was a quadruple treble that I was recreating. And like I said, you've got quite a lot, nice long length of yarn to work with with that. So once I'd done that, secured the bottom part of that stitch, spit spliced onto the top, then I could actually recreate that stitch within her shawl. Um, once I'd done the quadruple treble, what I did was finish it off with a, an extra slip stitch in at the top, just for a little bit of extra security. Cut the yarn and pulled it through and then woven that end as well. So I've essentially spit spliced both sides of where the loose yarn tails were, woven the bottom one in, recreated the stitch with the top one because that was at the height of the stitch that I needed to continue with that row, created that stitch, an extra slip stitch, cut the yarn, pulled it through, woven it in. 
and I did that I think I probably did that over four or five stitches where quite a few of them had come loose and she was in the real like potential of either having to completely unravel the project or wear it knowing that every time she wore it a little bit more was going to come undone. Now one of the areas I couldn't do that with and this might be something that you come across with your crochet um, so there was one um, part of the spun gold shawl I think it's just done with double crochets or half trebles so um, you've got the lovely long open work with the quadruple trebles and then you have some much shorter stitches and it was too difficult to spit splice any of the ends together I tried and it just it just didn't work so what I did there was tied um, a tight knot in the two ends so what, it did end up with a little bit of puckering within the shawl but it's better than an, an unravelled shawl so I tied a double knot on that and it was really quite tight and I spit spliced kind of the two ends together to fuse them together so that that gave more security around the knot. Um, I did see another area where um, Lisa had knotted it and those knots again maybe because of the ply because of the yarn she had used it can be quite slippery that knot was starting to come undone so I did the same on that one. Spit spliced the two together by doing a double knot, getting the two ends, you like wetting them and rubbing the two ends together. And at points I was doing it with my index um, finger and my thumb just to be able to get enough friction on there to get those two ends to go together. And then I wove that end into the shawl as well. So if you don't have lots of yarn, Doing that double knot and fusing those two ends together might be a better way for you to go forward with fixing your crochet. I'll have attached loads of photos to this because I documented it right the way through as I was fixing her shawl. Um, and I will pop some into the show notes for those that are listening. Hello listeners, by the way. Um, the numbers are increasing for listeners. And I did, I did say recently that... Um, podcasts, audio podcasts are having a real resurgence and it, it really feels like that. I know I've got loads of new followers coming through, same on YouTube, so hello to all of you. Um, really lovely to have you on board. If you are completely new and you maybe haven't heard me say it before, I pulled together really comprehensive show notes um, that go through a lot of the detail that I talk about and also give you lots of photos and all the links for patterns, for websites, for yarn shops, wherever I've been. It all gets properly linked throughout the podcast. So that's available through um, Podbean and it's www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com. That's where you can get all that good information. I'd also be interested to know, oh, this is slightly off topic from Old Dog New Tricks, but... Um, how many of you actually go and use the show notes? Because I put a lot of time and effort into them, um, taking the photography, doing everything. It would, just, it would be almost be quite nice to see if there's a show of hands of those of you that go to the show notes, find them useful, want me to continue to do them. Um, I don't think I would ever stop doing show notes, but... I could do reduced ones if you guys weren't actually using them. So if you would love me to keep on going with the show notes at the level that I'm doing, please just let me know either through Ravelry or Instagram or ping me a message just so I know that it's worth my time. It's worth me putting effort into that rather than maybe other things for the podcast. 
Right, that really was off topic. Sorry. <laughs> so that's all dog new tricks. So information in the show notes and I will have put photos up as the M video is running as well. It was really interesting. It was the first time that I'd had to fix my um, crochet and it seems to have worked well. Lisa hasn't come back to me to say that it's all unraveled so I'm hoping it's worked okay. Um, yeah, it is feasible so you've got at least two ways of doing it there. Cal updates. Um, but the time this podcast goes out on the Friday, this weekend coming, I hope to have got all the roundup stuff done for the sock crochet along um, that we had throughout October. Time has just not been my friend this month and I'll go into a bit more detail on that in a wee bit. But um, yeah, I'm hoping to get in touch on Ravelry and Instagram and set all the prizes and just do a bit of a roundup really on it. Um, it might be in the form of a blog post, but I'll get in touch with the people that are the winners and let you see everything that I've pulled together for it. The festive season is also fast approaching, which means that the Christmas Eve cal is also fast approaching. And Charlie and I have um, come together again to do this cal. And so pretty much the same as last year. It starts on the 24th of December, so it can click onto the 24th and you can start your project at one minute past midnight if that is what you want to do. Um, and last year we did it as a one skin wonderland cal and this year we've said we'll just make it more generic. So if you want to do a one skin project, go ahead, you know, do whatever you want. If you want to do a 10 skin project and you can think you can knock out a jumper in the four-ish weeks that we've got for the cal, then go ahead and do that too. If you've got a special skein that's coming in under the Christmas tree and you want to use that, then the bundle that was in the Ravelry group for last year's One Skein Wonderland cal is still up there. There's lots, so many lovely projects to go and take a look at. If you need a little bit of inspiration, go and have a look at that bundle. But the premise is that we um, hook on on the 24th of December and you have until, let me find it, Sunday the 27th of January 2019 to finish up your object. As normal with the cowl for me, you can make whatever you like. So I don't mind if you're crocheting, if you're knitting, if you're weaving, as long as it's yarn based, do whatever it is that makes you happy. Um, so long as you start it after the 24th and you finish it on the 27th, then it's part of the cal. And if you're going to use hashtag Christmas Eve cal, C-A-L, then I'll be able to find it on Instagram. We'll open a thread on Ravelry, I think probably in um, Charlie's group rather than in mine. And if you have finished objects, then there will be a group for that as well. And also on Instagram, just use Christmas Eve cal, F-O, and then I'll be able to see them. And everybody will be able to quickly um, have a look at them. Also worth adding hashtag crochet clan to anything that you pop onto Instagram. Loads of people are using that hashtag and it's lovely. It's a very quick way of me seeing what people are working on because the way that Instagram works now, I miss so much of what you guys are working on because of the algorithms. But I think pretty much every time somebody uses hashtag crochet clan, I get to see it. So please do use that hashtag whenever you can. It's lovely to see what you're all up to. 
So I'm going to move on to final destination. And if you're watching this, you can see that I have an F01. I have got on my first ever um, knitted yoked jumper. And oh, I love it. This was made from um, birthday wool that I got. Not the summer, just gone the summer before when I was over on the Outer Hebrides. I got some yarn from the Berlin Yarn Company from Seafaring Sheep. Um, and it's storm grey and it is um, Hebridean sheep. And it's just the most beautiful mid to dark grey. And it's got some real mottling in there. So some real white and light grey bits in there too. So it's not like a very solid grey colour. And then I paired that up for the yoke bit with um, some Shropshire ply, which came from you and ply in Shrewsbury. And it's in a very acidy yellow colour, which is, it was called um, Wenlock Hedge. I'm not sure if they're still doing this colour or not, because they do change their colours around quite a bit. But the two just paired up so beautifully together. And um, I really enjoyed doing this. It's actually a really quick thing to make. Albeit I started this at the beginning of February and I finished it in mid-November. But actually when I just cracked on with it and was a little bit more monogamous... Mon monog <laughs> Is there anybody that doesn't struggle with saying monogamous? Do, 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 do. Monogamous. Do, 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 do. When I was monogamously knitting on this, um, it actually was really, really fast. And I just, I love it. I made quite a few changes to it as well to make it my own, changed the ribbing, um, changed parts of the yoke, reduced the number of um, rows up and around the neck, changed the ribbing at the bottom. So I will pop some project notes because if you're thinking about trying a first yoked sweater, I thoroughly recommend this one. It was a very easy pattern to follow. It's a free pattern as well, so... That might help to get you into it and um, it's DK so it's speedy. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to get project notes up for this soon on Ravelry so keep on checking back there if you want to know more and see the amendments I made to the pattern to suit my, my body shape and to make the changes I did make. Make the changes I did make. I think a hot chocolate might help. I don't I don't have that many finished objects because um I'm working on two massive commissions at the moment, which I'll talk about a bit more in en route, but they're taking up a lot of my crafting time. And what that does mean is that the ones that I have got are small and because the commissions are crocheted, then what I tend to do is change um for like the personal stuff that I'm doing change to knitting so that I've got a difference in my um, hands and I've been on a sock mission um, I'm not going to go through them all but I'll, I'll pop some photos up here and in the show notes so that you can see them but there are two that are kind of of note one of which is a pair of socks that I knitted for lovely, lovely Tanya at um, TJ Frog. She was also vending at Yarnporium at the beginning of November. And um, we were having a really good discussion about the merits of, or potential merits, of using dorset horn wool for socks. And she was asking me what I thought and 
I looked into the staple length and the sturdiness of it and I, I figured that they would be okay. And it's one of the wools that Tanya sells. And so she came back with um, three 50 gram balls of her wool and I said that I would knit her a pair of stripy socks with them. So she's got a pair of stripy suffragette coloured uh, socks for her totally little size two and a half feet which is why I knew I could do it in November no time at all because um, DK wool for size two and a half feet just is like the quickest pair of socks you could possibly make um, what it means is that Tanya is going to report back so that I will be able to then report back to you and let you know how Dorset Horn fares as a sock wool. So for those of you that like to be breed specific and um, like to try out different types of wool, I'll be able to feed that information back to you. The other one that I wanted to show you is more again about the yarn that I used rather than the fact that it's a knitted sock. Um, but it is a yarn that I got from, you may remember, when I came back from Amsterdam, I had got myself some bits and pieces from Stephen and Penelope. And one of the ones I got was a yarn, which is, um, they're it's a company called Onion Knit, and they're a Danish company, and they have this yarn spun in Italy. And it's 30% wool, it's superwash, and 30% nettle fibre. And I'd never really worked with Netta before. I've had a little play around with the one that Erica Knight came out with about two months ago. And it's lovely to work with. But I have had this for about 18 months now in my stash. And I bought it to do a design with. And that's exactly what I've done with it. But again, I've done socks because it is, you know, it's sold as a sock yarn. And what I can say is I haven't yet worn these because I wanted to be able to show them and photograph them properly. But it's really very soft and I tried it on when I'd finished the second one and the socks feel exceptionally warm and because you've got the nettle fibre in there that's done two things to my mind. One, it gives you a silkiness and a smoothness to the yarn but also the nettle fibre doesn't die up in the same way as the wool and so you get this real sheen and a slightly different dye on the nettle fibre than you do from the wool and it makes for just a really interesting looking um, it's almost got like a silveriness through it no matter what the colour is there's almost like a base silver to it so the yarns have almost got um, an iridescence to them which is really lovely and you feel that when you're working with them as well it's beautiful so I'll be able to report back on this and I've just found that Wild Mooley in London actually stocks this yarn. They're the only ones that I can see that stock it in the UK. Like I say, you can get it in um, Stephen and Penelope in Amsterdam. And I'm fairly sure you can get it more easily across the rest of Europe. But Wild Mooley sell it in London. And I'm going to buy some more because I think this yarn would be absolutely perfect for a pair of... Diane Adidas Designs um, baseline socks, her crocheted socks. I just think this would be lovely and squishy and really work well with her um, her pattern. So I'm going to order some from Wild and Woolly and give those socks a try as well. Um, but I'll be able to report back and let you know how how nettle works. But it's supposedly as good as 
nylon for making your sock yarn very hard wearing. So although it's um, super wash, it at least doesn't then have extra nylon in it as well. So I will report back on this one and let you know. other one that I want to show you quickly um, is the same design that I've just done with the netto based socks and that's because it's for a collaboration I've been working on with Becky from Rivernets and New from Heidenhammer. Um, I'll talk more about this under quick news beats because we've got something that goes live on Friday the 7th of December so if you're interested in hearing more about this little number, um, then that will be in quick news beats. But this is one of the reasons that I haven't had much personal crochet time because um, the potential to do this project with the ladies um, was a bit last minute <laughs> and I've put a load of time and effort into it. With this and also I've had the laser cutter up and running. So um, yeah, I've been in my office for the last two weeks laser cutting stuff, getting to grips with the machine and generally freezing my backside off because when the laser cutter is on I have to have the window open so therefore there is no point in um, putting the heating on. So I've been in with mittens on, scarves on. This um, jumper that I've got on now, the Joyride jumper, I've had on most days because it is the warmest thing that I own cold does not get into this thing if you're a cold-blooded person i cannot that encourage you enough to make yourself be it crochet or knit but make yourself a 100 percent wool dk jumper you will not regret it it's just warm and glorious to be in if i thought i could get away with sleeping in this i think i probably would and i have one more finished object um which is, it was something that I signed up to ages ago and then I completely forgot about it. Um, I've done a little tutorial for um, Crochet Zine on Instagram and um, I talked to them about it way back in the summer and then Sarah Shrimpton got in touch with me at the, it was the Yarn Podium weekend actually and said, just checking you're still up for doing the Intarsia Technique thing for the Crochet Zine. It's all due at the end of November. I was like, yeah, yep, mm hmm yep. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about it. So that's one of the things that I've been working on um, this month as well. So if um, you've heard me talk about Intarsia Crochet before, if it's something that you want to know a little bit more about, go to the latest version of the e-zine. I've provided links in the show notes. It's through on Instagram. If you haven't heard about what it is that they're up to, it's three ladies. It's um, Chrissy, Sarah and Shara and they pull together. It's a genius idea. It's basically an online magazine and they deliver it all through the Instagram tiles and they update it once a month with different bits and pieces happening throughout the month. But once a month they deliver an online magazine through Instagram. It's absolutely brilliant and it's full of... Um, tutorial techniques, different patterns, giveaways, all sorts of bits and pieces. So go and check them out. It's well worth having a look at. 
and because I was doing um, an entirety of technique for them and because of the time of year when it was coming out just before December I thought I will make it a little more festive so what I actually designed up it's um it comes out as a flat piece of crochet but I created it into a little um Christmas cracker and within the easing it takes you through all the essential parts of doing um intarsia so it's a nice little thing that you can um tag in Instagram and keep it going back to you and I've I've done it all as a set of photo tutorials so you can go right the way through and talk about yarn management, how you deal with right side, how you deal with wrong side, how you do colour changes. It's all in there. Um, and best of all, it's <laughs> when you join it together, it will fit perfectly over a standard toilet tube roll. And then you just chain up some, um, some yarn and that acts as your um, ends for the cracker. And you can actually fit, I have tried, Little like Ferrero Rochers, little um, notions will fit in there. So if you have a crafting friend that you wanted to give something to, then you could make them up their own little crocheted cracker. I also think they would look great um, as a garland or set across your fireplace. And if you're new to Intarsia, it wouldn't be that difficult to add different letters onto them so you could do an intarsia cracker for each of your kids with their um the first letter of their name on it it's a very versatile crochet technique and if you wanted something that was just a nice little practice piece that won't take you too long then this might be just the thing for you so that was my other finished object um for this month and bizarrely it's the little things that take the most time. I don't know if you all feel this as well. Sometimes the tiny things take forever and the big things are so quick to do. Or the things that, are, that look overcomplicated actually aren't complicated at all. And the things that look the simplest that you really have to distill down to make them look simple just take forever. That's how I'm at with a couple of my projects at the moment. On face value, they look really simple, but actually getting them to that point of simplicity has taken quite a lot of brain power to get it to that point. Um, and that was certainly the case with this little fellow. I thought it was going to be a lovely quick project, and it, it wasn't. <laughs> it took quite a while. Um, but yeah, that was another finished object done. On to, en route. Um, I have got two whopper projects I'm doing as a commission I put I put them in for the company that I'm working with um, about two months ago and I got the go ahead just before Yarn Podium and the deadline is um, when is it? the deadline is mid-December so uh, I'm just hell for leather on those at the moment trying to get them done I can't really show you a lot other than to say that there are two shawls they're the same pattern done in slightly different ways and um, I'm using the crocheted V-stitch which I really am uh, loving. It's just a very simple stitch. It's a treble chain treble and you on the next row up you do your treble UK terminology chain and then treble into the chain space of the V-stitch below and it just gives you this lovely uniform um, 
kind of beautiful set of rules with your project. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to share more of this um, probably about March time when it actually goes live and it's available. Um, but thankfully, although they are Whopper projects, um, now that I've worked out everything that I'm doing with them and like, the maths and how I've got the increases to work, they're very repetitive, just lovely, chilled out. I can sit and listen to podcasts and audiobooks and stuff while I'm doing them. But um, one of them is in lease weight. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you that know me you know that I am really not a fan of lace weight but I seem to be changing that at the moment I'll show you someone feeding the habit too um, so one's in lace weight and one is in four plies so they're taking they're quite big projects to get through on top of everything else that I've been trying to do as well so they're really my only on routes that I've been making any change to I dearly want to get back to my fallen leaf socks on the pink one I know that as soon as I've done the heel that's it, I'll be away and it will be done and then I'll do the second one but I just, like getting to prioritise that project over you know, the things that actually pay me money I just, I have to go to the things that um, create money going into my business account rather than the things that um, you know, I want to finish for the podcast and that's that's just my reality at the moment so, um, yeah, not an awful lot on en route, but mainly because I'm doing lace weight whoppers rather than um, like DK jumpers, <laughs> which are so much quicker. So, moving on to feeding habit. You would think, wouldn't you, given the number of yarn shows I go and vend at, that that's where I would buy most of my yarn from. And it's just, it's not the case. What happens when you go to a yarn show is... You're in a mad rush to get everything set up in time. You manage it just before the um, customers walk through the door normally. Sometimes I'm still pricing up as as customers come. Or in the case of your Emporium, because Beck was helping me on the, um, on the Friday, she was pricing up for me. <laughs> um, and then you vend all day and you talk to customers and then you're on the mad rush to take down because you just want to get home. And um, that's what it's like. So you rarely actually get out to go and talk to people and to go and buy yarn. But on the Friday, Beck said to me, you need to go and see this yarn company at Yarn Podium. And it was a new to me dyer. Her name is Becca and she has a yarn company called Mahoodley Hand Dyed Yarn. And she does mini skeins. And unsurprisingly, one of them is mustard coloured and it is like a proper Coleman's mustard colour as well. And she just does really um, simple semi-solid colours and I think her stuff had been really popular throughout the, the day. I managed to go and see her on the Saturday and I just picked up three mini skeins, one in quite a dark olive green colour, one in a dark um, charcoal brown colour and the mustard power one. Um, I should have got a fourth because then I could do a set of um, socks or something with them. Um, but I just, I fell in love and she's a new dyer and she's lovely and I just wanted to go and give her a little bit of support. So the mustardy one is called Fermin. The charcoal one is called Mrs Thornton. And the olive one is called Calcifer. 
Um, and they are 20 grams, four ply superwash, British Blueface Leicester. I really like them. She does um, like a maroon colour as well, which is lovely. And I think quite a dark tealy blue colour. So I'm going to have to get another one of these from Becca and add them to my set. But I'm clearly, I'm in a little mini kick at the moment. I'm loving minis. I just... I think they're so full of possibility and the idea of just being able to quick, quickly whip up a project because it's mini skeins that you're using, just that, that really appeals to me at the moment. So I got that was my only purchase from uh, from Yarn Podium. That was it. That's not true. I did go and pick up yarn for Claudia. I got a frantic message from uh, Claudia from the Crochet Luna podcast saying, I've just seen that fine fish are at Yarn Podium. Can you please go and get me some DK... I love what they do. I've been thinking about it since I saw them at um, at Yarndale. So I went and shopped vicariously through Claudia over at Fine Fish. But I won't show you that because that's up to Claudia to show you that on her podcast when she finally gets them. <laughs> right. And then, so I stayed down in London on the Saturday night as well. And on the Sunday, I went over to Richmond and I went back to Tribe Yarns. Last time I was there, I literally got 20 minutes in the shop and I wanted a bit more time. So I went back down on the Sunday. She was open especially because it was kind of the tail end of the Yarn Podium. She she was doing a special um, open session with, I think it's Kelbourne Woolens she was doing it with. And one of the things that I'd spied in your in um tribe yarns last time was that Millie has got really quite a nice stock of Isiger yarn. Isiger is a Danish brand if I'm right and they do quite a lot in alpaca but they've started doing some more interesting yarns as well. Um one called Spinny and there's a tweed one as well. Slightly more rustic um yarns but they do quite a bit in lace weed. And so I picked myself up some Isagar Alpaca 1, which is really quite a fine yarn. Um, it comes in 50 gram balls and it's 400 metres, so properly sweet. And this is quite a, um, how would you put it? It's quite a heathered greeny blue colour. It's really difficult to do this justice because it's also got for, um, like a forest... Uh, a fawny brown in there as well and it's called forest that's the name of the colorway and to go along with it i also picked up some silk mohair also from Isagar. this one's spun in italy and that is 212 meters for 25 grams and what i'm thinking is i would really like to crochet myself up a lightweight but very light and airy almost kind of ethereal um top for springtime going into autumn when there's just started to be a little bit of a chill in the air and I don't want a full DK yoked sweater on but I still want to be warm and I think that the Issachar alpaca will just be perfect for that and the plan is to add some silk mohair just into a part of it somewhere whether that's in a special part of the pattern or in a stripe I don't yet know I know in my head what it is I want to create I don't know if the design already exists and if it doesn't then I want to make it for myself. I have a very specific idea of what it is I'm after. 
So if I can't find it, I will make it up. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I went to try with a sense of purpose of getting some Isagur yarn because it's one of those I want to be able to handle before I buy. I have used the Alpaca one before, the Isagur Alpaca one. And what I actually did with it is I held, um, I held the strands double. And it's what, when Lynn and I did the take two, I held the strands double and I did her Bolton mitts and cowl in it. And it works really beautifully. It's lovely and soft. And although by holding the strands double, you would essentially take up to, what, a four ply. It still feels thinner than a four ply and it doesn't feel as dense. So if you're looking for something that's got quite a lightweight nature to it and you've got some lace weight in your stash, doubling it up, double stranding it might be a way forward for you just to make it a little bit different. It's very warm and it's very light. It's a nice way of um, using the yarn. And the other one that I got, which is another Isagur, is called Spinny. And this one is 100% wool and it's actually spun in Denmark and it's another lace weight. It's 600 metres for 100 grams. And I got two of these and these are the, the shawl that I'm working on at the moment as a commission. I want to make for myself. Um, I would like one. There's a... It's a cruddy, cheapo... Um, shawl that I'm wearing a lot at the moment in the office because it's actually really warm and because I'm doing the laser cutting everything smells of laser cut wood which you either really like or you don't and whilst I don't mind it I don't really want all my precious woolens smelling like that so I've been wearing that and I kind of I, I want to swap it out for this because it's looking a bit battered and straggled and I think this teal coloured lace weight will just look beautiful with that crocheted V-stitch as well. So that was bought with a sense of purpose as well. And that was everything that I got in um, in Tribe. I had a really nice time over there. If you haven't been yet, go and take a look. I just, I love it as a yarn shop. It's very different. It's very funky. It's like a breath of fresh air, actually, and I'm really enamoured with what it is that Millie's doing, what she's achieving over there. It's not your standard uh, yarn shop. <laughs> You'll know what I mean if you ever go in there. It's very different, and I like it a lot. Then I went to Glasgow. Um, Matthew and my dad were going out to a gig, and so I tagged along as is the way, um, and I went and I went to the Queen of Pearls, which is currently a bricks and mortar shop in Glasgow, but unfortunately Zoe is shutting the shop. She's going to continue to trade online, but she's moving away and she'll be too far to commute into Glasgow to actually keep the shop up and running. And Zoe is a hand dyer and she, I've bought from her before and I bought from her again. <laughs> um, I was due to meet Fiona and Lorna at the shop. Hello. Um, and unfortunately Lorna couldn't make it at the last minute. Um, but I met up with Fiona and we had a good chin wag. And um, had a lovely old time of it in the Queen of Pearls. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to be able to spend some time with her. So, um, 
like yarn shops are my kryptonite. I can't not go and spend money. I want to be able to support yarn shops and I want to be able to like give them my money. So when I was in Queen of Pearls, I picked up a skein of her um, Citadel sock yarn, which is Superwash Blueface Leicester, and it's a four-ply. And unsurprisingly, it's in a dirty mustard colour. And um, I'll show you in a minute where it was I got that one. But I also got... She also um, does stuff in 50-gram skeins, which I really like, because if I'm... Um, doing socks whether they're crocheted or knitted if i'm then doing a contrast um cuff or heel i don't always need 100 grams and so i really appreciate being able to get skeins that are 50 grams and therefore half the price it just gives me a bit more like potential in my stash and so that's what i did i picked up one from zoe queen of pearls it's called citadel 50 and it's a kettle brood yarn and again it's a four ply and just um it's cream and greens and i've just realized there's like a little bright bright green prop in there and purple and all these colors that i didn't even think was in that um skein of yarn and one of the colors in it is a kind of um like an orange brick color and i have another skein of her yarn from last time i went to queen of pearls up in glasgow that is that colour. So that was why I picked up this one because I thought I can easily make a pair of socks between the two. I can probably make at least two pairs of socks. So that was why I picked um, this one up. I'm rather looking forward to getting that one on. But when I was there, Zoe's sister was also there. And what I didn't realise is that she was there topping up Zoe's stock because she started dyeing as well. And she dyes lots of mini skeins she goes towards the luxurious end of the mini skeins and I really wish you could feel these little minis that I bought from her. Her company is called The Sleekit Hair and they are hand dyed in Argyll in Scotland and not only are they hand dyed but actually I, th um, I think she hand paints the dye onto each of her skeins and they are just incredible. So I got one which is... Um, very luxurious 70% baby alpaca 20% silk and 10% cashmere and that is called mermaid and then I had one which is 65% superwash merino 20% silk 15% yak and then one which is the same um, and that they don't have names but I got them because they kind of go in a gradient together and I thought if I mixed them with the mustard that I got from Zoe, then actually there's a nice gradient hat or cowl or hat cowl mitten set in there. Um, and that's what I bought them for. And again, I'm a sucker. I don't want to go into a yarn shop and not buy something from the owners. And these are so soft. It's like, it's like petting a kitten. It's amazing. <laughs> They're just really beautiful um very luxurious so that was my little that was my little Glasgow treat um to myself I think I was thinking I, I just worked so hard up to your emporium and it didn't let up I expected to have a really 
like chilled out November and it just it hasn't happened and I was just like I want to buy all the yarn I've got to make up for the fact that I've not just been able to sit and crochet all day in November like I wanted to and therefore I'm buying all the yarn but it's so nice and that was it that's everything that's everything I've bought in November so one of the things I wanted to talk about under feeding the habit is that my stash has grown quite a lot again in 2019. I need to go and um, I keep it in a, a specific room which is called the Stash Palace, which really only I go into and occasionally Pom the cat comes in because he sneaks through the door before I can shut it on him. Um, but it needs a right good old clean up. And when I do that, it will probably be in December, beginning of January. What I'm then going to do is kind of set what my thought is for buying yarn in 2019. Because my stash has crept up a little bit again. And I probably need to look again at some of the bits and pieces that are in there. And whether I still want them and I'm going to use them. Or whether my tastes have changed. So it might be that I do a bit of a kind of step back from buying yarn in 2019 but I want to have a really good think about what I want 2019 to look like in terms of my crafting goals and my yarn buying and what I want to do with the business and what I want the podcast to look like Um, I'm kind of thinking about all that stuff now it's all kind of tingling away at the back of my mind and it's one of the things I think I'll probably tackle in the January podcast so you know what you can expect from me in the coming year. But yeah, no major changes, but just like thinking how I want things to look and the bits I want to concentrate on that personally keep me going and keep me motivated. Right. I've got amazing hot chocolate. All the chocolate's kind of settled at the bottom, and I know that final gulp is just gonna be what is just going to be uh, like the most chocolatey thing ever. It's even got shimmers of gold in it, it's very luxurious. I found it at the back of the cupboard, it was best before September 2016, and it tastes absolutely fine. Yep, chocolatey. Right. Quick news beats. Um, just a couple of bits for you. One is global hookups. Um, I said that the next one would be in December, having taken a break from one in November. And I checked my diary today and I just there's just no way that I can make it happen with all of the other bits and pieces that I've got going on at weekends. Because it's the festive season, there's just loads of stuff going on. So I can't now do a December one. But what I've done instead is worked out when the dates would be for January. Uh, January, February, March, April, May and June. So I've got the next six months worth. I've popped them into the show notes and I will um, pop them up into the thread for the global hookups. And rather than telling you all of them, just go and see them there. But the first one will be on January the 12th, Saturday night, probably 8 o'clock. And then again on the Sunday morning on the 13th of January. So that's when the next global hookup is. But we've got six months worth sat there waiting for you to take a look at. 
And the other thing that I wanted to mention in quick news beats is the festive collaboration that I've been working on with Becky and New. Um, this kind of came out of the blue. I literally got a text from Becky about three weeks ago saying, how do you fancy um, doing this? Are you in? What can you bring to the party? And um, so I came at it from two angles. One, a design point of view, and I designed up the festive feet socks. So that pattern is currently at the printers and will be going live on Ravelry probably on Monday the 10th after we've finished with the pre-sales of the collaboration kits. And then I also got my laser cutter, which has been named by Claudia as Mistress Badass. So Mistress Badass has been up and running for two weeks and I've created all sorts of goodies for the collaboration and we've concentrated on two. So because the design that I've done is a knitted sock, there is the um, knit Santa's Knit Sack collection. And then for those of you that are crocheters, the bits and pieces I've created, I've pared them down and I've changed the clasps on the stitch markers so that they're suitable for crocheters. And I've also looked up a couple of patterns that are suitable um, for the yarn that Becky has pulled together so it's 100 grams and a 20 gram mini and she's done four different colorways so if you're interested she will have a listing in her shop on Friday the 7th and that will be open until Monday the 10th at midday so it opens at midday and it closes at midday um, and there are crochet options in there too and the bag that New has pulled together is wonderful and that's suitable for yarn, so it doesn't matter whether you're crocheting with it or knitting with it. It's just suitable for sock projects. Um, and we've called that Santa's Knot Sack. Um, so yeah, just trying to be um, kind of open to making it accessible for crocheters as well, which is important. So yeah, I'll, all the details are already in the show notes. Go there if you'd like to know more. But if you like the idea of a collaborative kit between three different makers, um, then I would say get in there quickly. There's been a lot of interest in it online and we only have so many kits that we could pull together. So um, if you're after them, I'd get in there quickly on the Friday. Big up! Um, I have been watching I've only watched a couple of her podcasts so far but it's a new one it's somebody that I know and somebody that I'm hoping to work with in 2019 but she started podcasting this year her name is Katie and her podcast is called um, the Green Bean podcast because her last name is Green so she's Katie Green and until recently Katie worked at Blacker Yarns but she's an illustrator and she's gone freelance and her podcast is lovely. If you want something that's really gentle and just bowls along nicely, I thoroughly recommend taking a look at it. Katie um, lives on the Cornwall-Devon border in the southwest of England and she puts in lots of shots and nice videos about the area that she lives in. And it's, you know, it's, it's a crafting podcast and it's a little bit different. She's you get to see quite a bit of her life and where she lives and that's lovely. And she's a maker, so she sews. You get bits and pieces on the illustrations that she's working on. And um, she's also a knitter, but she's also a crocheter as well. 
Um, like I say, they're just really lovely. She's got, I think as I speak, she's got eight episodes out. They're all on YouTube. Go and take a look. Just lovely little, gentle, relaxing, very calm podcast. It's lovely. And finally, J'adore. Now, given that the episode is called Feeling Festive, I thought what I would do is um, she will share with you all of the things that I think are festive and that make me look forward to the festive period. And I came up with six things. I am quite bar humbug. Um, I'm not a massive Christmas fan. I'm not a massive fan of all the marketing crud that goes on and having it rammed down my throat and so then I thought well what are the things I do like (laughs) a lot of them are food related and this is what I came up with one satsumas are in season and when I was a kid I could eat 10 a day easily and that's still the same I just love satsumas and I always think they're good up to about Christmas day and then they're not so good. They've, they've passed their season. Sometimes you can eke it out to New Year's Day. But then they're off season and that's it. So I cram in as many as I can between now and the end of the year. Because I just love satsumas. Number two is mulled wine. And the fact that it's perfectly acceptable to be sat by the fire. Crocheting away on a Sunday afternoon with a little cheeky mulled wine in my hand. Lovely. Um, number three, and this is really special, is seeing the excitement that little children have over the magic of Christmas. So seeing um, Jenny's boys and how excited they are about Christmas and spending time with families and just generally them, them, seeing the magic through their eyes is what for me makes the festive period actually really quite wonderful. Um, number four, Christmas cake is allowed. I needn't say any more. Right up my right up my alley. It's spiced and it's got fruit in it. Love Christmas cake. If I thought I could get away with eating Christmas cake all year round, I think I probably would. Um, number five, also food related. Unsolicited access to marzipan. In the festive season, you can eat marzipan whenever you like. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, good. I would have marzipan over chocolate every time. I just... Love almondy flavoured things, kirsch, cherries, anything like that. So the idea that for about a month marzipan is just totally acceptable at any time of the day, (laughs) bring it on. And my final thing that I love is making things for people. Actually taking the time out to craft things, whether that's food, it might be Um, mince pies that I'm giving to people or crocheting items up for them or knitting things or felting things. I really love that act of being able to sit quietly and make things for other people and for me that's what really sums up the festive season. You take time out to make things for other people and to make it special for them. Whether they appreciate it or not, I would say if you're all, and I know quite a few of you are, you're really going hell for leather at the moment to make things for people. Hopefully you're only making them for people that are worthy because otherwise it can just be soul-destroying. Um, yeah. Do it for the worthy people, the people that understand and the people that enjoy it. But that was it, yeah. That was my list of six things that I really love about the festive um, period. 
So hopefully you're all calm and chilled and you've not been whipped up into a festive fever yet. Um, and if you are making things for people, then, you know, you're not feeling the pressure of that and you're actually enjoying it. So have a lovely, lovely um, Christmas and New Year. I will be on Instagram definitely in the lead up to the um, the crochet along starting on the 24th of December. And then I'll be back with another podcast in 2019 on the 4th. I cannot believe that 2018 is nearly finished. I just, it was January yesterday. How? How are we here already? Never mind, it's been a cracking year. I've absolutely loved it and I've loved the contact with you guys. Um, thank you for being part of my community and for being part of the team that I, I work with. It's just, it's fabulous. Right, until next year. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to episode. Oh my god. Come on. Charlie and I are once again teaming up together to do the Christmas Eve cast on. Not a cast on. Also. The festive season is fast approaching and Charlie and I have teamed up together again to do the Christmas Eve hookup. So, it's not a hookup. <laughs>